This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good day, I'm Anne Dolanchik and you're listening to Coffee Conversations about influencer marketing. This is our final episode for this year. And in this episode, I look back on the amazing guests we had in 2021 and the wisdom and experience that they shared with all of us. Thanks to each and every person and expert who was willing to share their knowledge with us. We learned a lot, we laughed a lot, and we certainly had a couple of debates too. For me, I think one of the biggest themes that came out from all of our guests and all of our experts was the massive rise of micro and nano influencers and also the expert influencer, especially in a pandemic. Our very first episode this year was with Mike Sharman and Greg Bailey, who spoke to us about the meteoric rise of TikTok over the first year of the pandemic. I think before that, we all thought that TikTok was a platform for the youth. And by that, I mean people between the ages of 16 and 24. But as we saw behavioral shifts, especially during those first lockdowns, where people were at home, not having access to the entertainment they used to, being around friends and sometimes even family, they started watching a lot more streaming television, and they migrated onto social media platforms to look for that community, entertainment, and education they would often get outside of home. TikTok was perfect for that. We started seeing more and more older people going onto that platform to find a bit of respite from the pandemic. These users were generally over 34 years old. So all of a sudden, TikTok was not just for Gen Z, but it really grabbed that millennial audience too. Not only did we see a rise in that age group consuming content on the platform, but we also started seeing millennials becoming influencers on the platform. In my opinion, part of the meteoric rise of TikTok, especially during the pandemic, also correlates with the rise of your nano and micro influencers over the last couple of years, where people want to see relatable content, relatable faces, relatable topics, more real, more raw, and less polished content. Especially during the first year of pandemic, we didn't want to see that everyone's lives were perfect. We saw aspirational type of content taking a bit of a backseat. We wanted to know that we're all in it together, that other mothers who are homeschooling are also having a tough time at it, that not everyone is taking up a hobby or craft and creating amazing things. We wanted to know that other people are also just lying around watching Netflix, being on social media, working super long hours without seeing an end in sight. But I think a big part of it was also just realizing that everyone's human and not really able to sleep either. TikTok has always prided itself on putting realness and authenticity first, showcasing that raw side of human behavior, the behind the scenes content that we didn't often see on the likes of an Instagram. We also use TikTok for education tips and tricks, and obviously also for entertainment. TikTok was also instrumental in the rise of the expert influencer. There are so many different subsections of TikTok. For one, derm talk is huge. And we also saw during the pandemic, people paying a lot more attention to skincare, 
switching from makeup. And that's where our dermatologist really started to shine on TikTok. There's BookTok, who everyone is sharing the recommendations of good and bad books, which I'm personally addicted to. But there are so many other subsections that there really is a TikTok for every interest. The big thing about TikTok is obviously that short form video. We see that people love to consume these. They're snackable. They're generally 15, 20 seconders. So it doesn't really take up that much of your time. You learn something, you have a laugh, and it's very easy to share as well. And do you as a person really find something interesting or a video very entertaining or educational? The platform makes it really easy for you to recreate. We see how brands also have jumped onto this. It's easy to seed a couple of videos with influencers and that can result in thousands of user-generated videos, keeping your messaging alive, spreading it to your target audiences, not only on the actual platform, but all over. How many times have you opened a WhatsApp with a friend sharing an interesting TikTok with you? Or open your Instagram and there it is as well, or even on Facebook. Mike and Greg also spoke to us about the importance for brands to understand where their target markets spend their time when it comes to social media. It's honestly of no use to jump on a bandwagon or a new platform just because it's super popular right now. Or another brand has found success on it. As a brand, you need to spend your money on influencers and platforms that make sense to your product or your service. And that includes knowing where to reach your audiences. Otherwise, your campaign might be amazing, but it will not be effective or successful. And you certainly won't reach those KPIs you set out. This year, we also had interesting conversations about the rules and regulations that exist in our industry. Rupa Shah from the UK helped us understand this from a global perspective. And closer to home, we spoke to the advertising regulatory board, Scale Shamal, as well as an influencer and a digital marketer about this topic. The only conclusion we really came to was that there are regulations in place, and also the different ways in which these countries try and enforce these regulations onto brands and influencers are different. I think the biggest thing that we learned from those conversations was that it's incredibly difficult to enforce these regulations. Think about it. There's millions and millions of pieces of content that gets pushed out every single day on every single platform. It is impossible to police every single piece of branded content. So locally, we know that the Advertising Regulatory Board or the ARB only investigates cases where the public actually lays complaints. It's very reactive, but we understand why. I read an article that said something like 70% of Instagram influencers don't follow regulations, and that's worldwide. And I think I know it's because they also know it's impossible to get policed. But there's also a perception that platforms like Instagram and Facebook penalizes content that has the hashtag sponsored or ad in it. And that's organic reach planets in comparison to your normal organic content. This might be true because we know Zuckerberg loves to force brands and influencers to pay to play. So we understand why not everyone will follow these rules. Locally, the ARB are looking at these rules and seeing if they can maybe make a change to it because the hashtags that they want every influencer and brand to include in their branded content can be a bit confusing, not only for the person seeing the content, but even for the influencer and the brand. We spoke about, are we not maybe underestimating the public when it comes to spotting partnered content? My personal opinion is that we give the public way too little credit for knowing when their favorite influencers are partnering. 
with brands? Is it maybe not enough for that influencer to state in the copy or the caption that they are working with a certain brand, that they are excited that a certain brand has sent them something or that they're finally getting paid for the content they're pushing out? I think this topic will continue to be interesting and we'll follow this story in 2022 to see the developments not only in South Africa, but all over the world. We also had local entrepreneur and digital master Mike Stockforth on one of our episodes, who shone a big spotlight on digital transformation. One of my biggest takeouts from that episode was the fact that we experienced and continue to experience brands who don't understand the power of influencer marketing and therefore they do not understand the channel as a whole and how it works. I think a lot of brands still think of influencers as celebrities and celebrity endorsements and the fact is the industry has moved away from that a long time ago. Yes, celebrities is part of influencer marketing but it's only one part of it. A lot of brands still evaluate and measure influencers in the same way they would traditional media. And that is completely ludicrous. They look at the influencer and the first thing they want to know is how many followers they have. When the industry, we very much know that that has got no bearing on the influence that a person can have on someone else. For the last couple of years, we've also been using performance media, which means we seed influencer content that are relatable to certain audiences using paid media to the right audiences. And therefore, the number of followers an influencer have these days become less and less relevant. It's part of the reason why nano and micro influencers are still on the rise. They do not have masses of followings, but their audiences are fiercely loyal and trust their recommendations. We cannot keep evaluating and judging or measuring the success of influencer campaigns on the same metrics or the same ways we use for traditional media such as print advertising, TVCs, or billboards even. It's time that brands let go of that and go forward with open minds and recognizing other metrics such as engagement, interactions, positive sentiment, how many times a piece of content has been shared or saved even by audiences, whether influencers have sent audiences to websites to click through to buy merchandise or products, have they converted sales, etc., etc. We have great technology these days to measure this. I think there's also a misunderstanding that influencer marketing can only measure reach these days. That's completely outdated. Brands also need to understand that there's power in finding who their fans are, finding the people who already use and love and pay for their services and products, and turning them into your nano influencers or a brand army. And that leads me to another topic that we discussed quite a few times this year with various experts, data. Dan Brocklebank and David Shields were my experts in this field. And on our episodes with them, we drill down into using data to inform not only your influencer campaigns, but your marketing campaigns as a whole. And data is also great to find your biggest fans and seeing how you can tap into their power, not only on social media, but also in real life in the community. Technology keeps evolving and advancing in our industry every single year. And brands need to start looking at using this technology to unearth the data and to understand customers better and in a way give them what they want and inform how your marketing is done. Some brands are super surprised when they look at data purely because they 
in their minds, they thought what their customers wanted, or even sometimes who their real customers are, was completely different. And that is why data is so incredibly important and will continue to be more and more so. We had Janine Rainier from Tilt, who spoke to us about storytelling and influencer marketing. I think we've always known that storytelling is absolutely super, super powerful when it comes to any form of marketing, but even more so within influencer marketing. Brands need to start realizing that influencers are people and other people follow them because they find them relatable, they find them interesting, and they take their recommendations into consideration. We can't brief influencers in a, such a rigid way like we do with other marketing channels. We cannot script what they have to say because in my personal opinion, you might as well then stick to traditional advertising. Influencers work because we can give them parameters. We can give them the do's and the don'ts. We can give them the messaging that needs to come through. But then we need to remember that we chose this influencer because their audiences trust them, they like them, and they really enjoy their content. So give them the freedom to create the content that they know will resonate with their audiences. They've been building their platforms, their audiences for many, many years that understand them. Storytelling is a big part of that. Influencers aren't walking billboards. That's just got a big tagline across them. But they weave in stories that are relatable about things that's happened in their lives, about things they love. And also a big part of that is testimonial content, but it is in storytelling format. Our perceptions about what type of industries or brands would use influencer marketing and do it successfully was also challenged this year. On the podcast this year, we interviewed quite a few marketing managers from very kind of non-traditional industries using influencer marketing and using it super, super well. From medical aids to vitamins to non-profits like the Cape Town Blood Service, we're seeing more brands who quote unquote, we wouldn't think of fitting the mold of using influencer marketing, using platforms incredibly effective, reaching audiences and just seeing fantastic results from that. So if someone says that a medical aid or an insurance brand should not consider influencer marketing, this year has taught me that that is completely wrong. It was also interesting to see how the travel industry in the midst of a big shutdown where they saw a huge decline in business, unfortunately, in the last two years, use influencers to keep traveling and that feeling of traveling alive using influencer marketing in very interesting ways. Different businesses within the industry used influencers to keep themselves top of mind for when traveling would open up again, but also used it to ensure and educate audiences on the measures that they have taken to keep their clients safe, to comfort them and to make sure that they return once they could. 2021 was definitely an interesting one. Yes, we've seen influence marketing becoming an even more important channel to include in marketing campaigns. And I think it's only the tip of the iceberg. Over the last three years, marketers and brands have understood the channel more and more, and they are seeing the value of including influencer marketing in their 360 campaigns. We know that it takes about seven to eight touch points before a person even considers to buy a product or use a service from a specific brand. And what better touch point to include than a trusted recommendation, aka an influencer, especially a niche expert, like a micro-influencer or a trusted community member, like a nano-influencer, to tell audiences, friends and family about products and services 
they trust, they already use and love. I think in the future, brands will even start incorporating influencers in their above the line marketing efforts. And we're really starting to see that. Including those recognizable, relatable faces and testimonials go a long way. And on that note, I wish you all a very festive season. Thank you again to all my guests. And thank you to the listeners who without you, we will be nothing. Thanks to you, we charted in the top 10 of Apple podcast charts almost every month in 2021. We are taking a bit of a break and we will be back mid to late January. So keep an eye out. Until then, keep safe and enjoy a well-deserved break. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.